Ladies and gentlemen, we now present George Edwards in the concluding episode of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Don't know now. See, the lock's beginning to give. Oh, Helen, won't you please go? There's nothing you can do. I can see the end. Please, you must let me stay. You must. Have your guns ready, men. Well, Charlie doesn't try to us, too. What are they going to do? They won't shoot him down. Come on, right in. Come on, right in. Come on, right in. Look, what's the matter? There, on the floor. Oh. I thought he would. Dead. But look, sir. That's not... Edward Hyde? What do you mean? Don't you see, sir? That's a big man. Hyde was little more than a dwarf. That body lying there is Dr. Jekyll. By heaven. I believe you're right. Inspector, did you hear that? Yes. Come along. Let's go and make sure. Watch out the entrance, men. Hyde must be somewhere in the building still. That's it from top to bottom. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> what is it, Doctor? Is it murder? No. I don't think so. Don't you see that glass lying near his hand? The smell of almonds. The odor of one of the most deadly of all poisons. He knew what he was doing. We searched the old place, sir. There's not the slightest trace of Hyde. But that's impossible. We heard him in this room. He must have got out by some secret door. Are you certain he hasn't slipped through the cordon? Well, there hasn't been the slightest sign of him, sir. There's a man stationed every few feet. If you'll excuse me, Doctor, I'll have to go and see about this. Yes. Yes. Go along. We'll stay here until you come back. <laughs> Helen, dear. Drink this. There. And now, my dear, won't you sit down? Why? There's a letter here. Addressed to me. Then, then read it. I think I know what you'll find written inside. And it seems right that you should read it here, in this room. The place where he made his experiments. The scene of his terrible triumph. And his terrible death. You make me almost afraid to read. But you must. It's the last chapter in the life of your friend. You must know it. Very well, then. You, my dear friend... When this shall have reached your hands, I shall have passed beyond the scope of mortal friendship and of mortal pain. But because I know the bewilderment and the terror which the act I contemplate will arouse in you, I feel it my duty to tell you the full story of my distorted life. As you know, I was born to a large fortune, endowed with enough graces and distinctions to render life unusually fortunate and with every guarantee of an honorable and distinguished future. Young Markham, I think, marked the start 
of that dreadful path which has led me to this tragic end? If it hadn't been for you, I'd never have gone there. Never have spoken to those girls, never drunk their beastly wine. But you wouldn't tell the head, Markham. I would, I tell... Good heavens, Jacob. Why are you looking at me like that? What's come over you? Don't stare at me that way. Your eyes. What's the matter with your eyes? Keep away. What are you going to do? Don't bury your teeth like that. You're terrible. Jacob, don't. Don't. Keep away from that window. Keep away, you fool. Even you, my dearest friend, never knew the truth. About Hetty Wilson. Well, then I know why I didn't die. That's the truth. <laughs> I thought about it often enough. I went down to the river once, but there was always the hope that there'd be a letter next day, or I'd see you in the street. You wondered how it came that I was with our old master, Professor Harriet, when he died, and what bond there was between us. Final ultimate test. Oh, but but this is blasphemy. You're going to rip apart the veils that, that hide the human soul. Galileo was threatened with a rack and the wheel of inquisition for the blasphemy of saying that the earth revolved round the sun. And I am prepared to accept the torture that will follow the taking of this preparation for the sake of my beliefs. Are you prepared to stay and witness what follows? Yes. Yes, I'll stay. Good. I now drink to the cause of science. And Margaret. What can I say about Margaret? My only excuse is that I truly loved her. Oh, Henry, if I only understood you better. But there's something so strange and, and wild about you. At times you seem so old, as though you'd lived for a thousand years. Don't try to understand me. Just love me, Margaret. Love me forever, no matter what happens, no matter what I do. Otherwise, I'm lost. I know I am. I do love you. Oh, if you only knew how much. Oh, Margaret inevitably follows the death of her father. Even as I write, I am sickened with the memory of this most frightful crime in the long register of horrors that lie against the name of High. I'd stop this. I've done nothing to you. Haven't you? If you hadn't kept Margaret away from me, Edward Hyde would have ceased to exist long ago. She would have made all the difference. Look on your work, O righteous man, and see what you have called forth out of the darkness of a human soul. You foul obscenity. Take my daughter's name off your lips. You're the vilest, most repulsive creature I've ever set my eyes on. The world would be a better place to be rid of you, and God willing, I shall do it. Yeah, kill me, would you? And take that! And that! And Helen. Ah, Hugh, my friend, what would we do without these brave, loyal women who have glorified our lives? Heaven knows. I knew how little I had to take from her, the rich treasure that she offered me. 
I'll marry you, Henry. And whatever this black thing is that you've got in the background of your life, I'll help you fight it. And if I don't succeed, if it gets too strong for me, I'll still love you. No matter what you've done, what you may have become. <laughs> Please stop. I, I can't stand anymore. There are only a few more lines. I think you ought to hear them, Helen, dear. Go on, then. You will see by the terms of my will, which I enclose, that provision has been made for you to maintain the clinic and to increase its staff enough to enable you and Helen to cope with the many sick and needy ones who constantly besiege its doors. Here, then, as I lay down the pen up my confession. I must bring to an end the life of that unhappy man who was your friend and confidant, Henry Jekyll. This letter is written in his hand. His body lies before me, yet I can't believe. I know. I saw the terrible transformation take place before my very eyes. And even I can't believe. If I make this confession of his public, no one will believe it. They'll say it's the ravings of a madman. We can't do that. Let his secret die with him. There's the fire. All you've got to do is put it in. Have we the right? Henry Jekyll made a great discovery... Perhaps one of the greatest of all time. Someday the dark experiments he made may reach perfection in the hands of other men. It may be that the forces that destroyed him because of his imperfect knowledge may be the means of conferring immeasurable benefits on some suffering wretches who would otherwise be doomed to insanity and death. In the realm of science, nothing is impossible. Those were his very words. Yes. Who are we in our ignorance to condemn him? Who are we to dare destroy the records of his life? What shall we do, then? I shall keep this letter. And I'll search this laboratory for every scrap of data, every record he ever made. Professor Marriott passed on the secret of his work to Henry. I must find someone who is worthy to receive the trust from him. Yes. Yes, I think you're right. And now, we'll cover this beloved face. For the last time, turn down the lamp that shed its light so steadfastly on the dark agony of his experiments. And close the door of this little secret room that saw the best and the worst of Henry Jekyll and of Edward Hyde. May God have mercy on his soul. Amen. And so concludes Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Adapted for radio by Betty Rowland from the story by Robert Louis Stevenson and a George Edwards production.